Now look, Psalm 1 actually makes a pretty big call, if you read it carefully. It almost promises invulnerability. If you look at what this blessed person gets, it says that no matter what's going on, whatever the season, you can be blessed. It's a, it's a big, it's actually a really big promise. It's a big thing. And God is saying, actually, no, you can have it. Now, I already feel quite blessed because I, sorry, I just, I'm not, I'm going to be just too distracted if I can't sort of let you guys know. If you didn't know, notice earlier, Eve Wu just entered the room before. Which is so exciting because I didn't even know you were in the country. So lovely to have you back. So just, um, yeah, thank you, God, for that. Um, I, now we get back to word. Get back to Jesus. <laughs> there are two things that are awesome about this psalm. But the first one is that at the very beginning, verse 1 says that there is this person who is blessed, who is happy. But then verse 3 tells us more. It tells us when they will be blessed. So if you cast right down to verse 3, if you don't have a Bible, um, there, was a, there was an English-Chinese one down the back as well, but just English ones now. If you want a paper Bible, feel free to go grab one. Um, it says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, this blessed person, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever they do prospers. Any of you guys have plants that you water at home? Anyone? Uh, well, we don't water them. Um, what happens if you don't water plants? It's not like this. They get very brown. But if it is planted by a stream of water, like, I mean, like that tree, that tree there, right? Like that, 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 tree, is not, that tree is not sort of anxious about doubt. About, 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 sorry, about drought, not doubt. About drought. It, it, it's not going to be worried. It's not looking at the weather forecast just to check if everything's okay. Do you see what the psalm is saying? This kind of person in this psalm is going to have life no matter what's going on. No matter what the circumstances are. I, 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 drought, please. I live, in, I live in a river. I've got permanent access to the source of life, so I'm going to be all right. And, and the words in, in verse 3, do you see that? That actually everything that that person does prospers. Like these are big words. Does God really mean this promise? Can we take him seriously on it? Let's dig back into verse 1. Now, first, the, in verse 1, there is this, uh, this sticky slope. A sticky slope. It's a slippery slope. They get stickier as you go. This is what's not to do. In verse 1, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Now, the wicked there are people who, who look at evil things and they like them. You know, they see the darkness and they're like, yes, I want that. You don't want to be acting like them. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Now, these are the people who don't just talk up dodgy things. They actually do them too. You don't want to be acting like them, says the psalm. Or stand in the way... Uh, sorry, I've got, sorry, <laughs> this one. Or sit in the company of mockers. These are the people who are, who are so jaded and so cynical about anything good or beautiful because they've just not experienced that in their lives that they can't even enjoy good. They just have to bring it down. Now, you might be thinking, well, these, are some of, these people are some of your friends. 
And if that's you, then it's worth paying attention. Do you notice the progression in the lyrics? You see, this is a, a genius Hebrew songwriter. The flow from walking to standing to sitting, like a, like a, you know, a party like this for, the, for the teenagers, like a party you know you shouldn't be at, but that guy or girl slips their arm around you and says, oh, come on, just stay for a bit. And, and then the walk, stand, sit in this verse makes you feel like one thing leads to another, like it's a slippery slope. Now, if you want to be invincible, you can't afford to walk in step with the wicked says Psalm 1. Don't laugh at the filthy or hurtful jokes. Don't be cool with them saying, well, this is what I did with that girl the other night, or this is what I'm going to do to this girl tonight. If you want to be invincible, you can't afford to stand in the way of sinners either. Don't stand near when they're looking at porn. Don't be a part of the conversation. Don't be part of the email chain. Don't work at the place that you know will influence you in bad ways more than you will be a blessing to it and you'll end up in sin or ignoring God. Just don't be in places that will damage your conscience by having been there. Or, the psalm says, you might find yourself sitting a bit desensitized to good and evil and mocking one day. So scarred by sin that you're cynical that anything really is good and you'll be stuck. You see, that's the flip side to this lyric. It's a slippery slope as it as it flows, but the pace slows with each step as they start out walking and then, then stand still and, and then they sit down and never get up. It's a slippery slope with a, uh, a sticky end. Now, Lachlan, if you want to throw over that, um, that uh, thing and not just not hit play just yet, um, is anyone here an aunt or an uncle? Got some aunts and uncles? Like, it's big fun being an aunt or an uncle. I love being an uncle. It's the best. You get all the fun with the kids. They think you're the best, but you don't have to clean up after them. It's fantastic. Now, this is, this is an uncle who um, decided that he wanted to um, just have a bit of fun uh, being a good uncle with his nephews. So, we'll see how it goes. It's... it's <laughs> I thought it was a bit of fun, but it's just this sense that, that there's, this, there's these sticky places that, that, that it's, it's a lot of fun to get into. Your uncle might even lead you there, but it's actually hard to get out, and it kind of might, can even be embarrassing. Embarrassing, you might lose your pants as you go. So if we want this invincible blessedness, there's actually a, a slide we want, don't want to go down, but what does the invincible person do? What's the alternative pathway? And here we see in verse 2, they delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. And so there's actually these two things, delight and meditation. Delight and meditation. Now, they actually work with each other, and that's kind of what it's like when you really get into something. Like, uh, you both delight in it, and then you nerd out over all the little details, like, like the things that get you excited... That's what you spend your time thinking about, right? So when I walk past Fiotti and Rafa's bedroom at night, right, they're not talking about schoolwork, okay? Like I'm, I'm hearing it, it's, it's, it's something about dragons or something about team, team fight tactics or League of Legends or something. Like the things that they're interested in, the video games they like, the, that's what I hear. But it also works in reverse too. Once you know the details, once you've got the detailed knowledge of having meditated on video games or what dragons or whatever it is, then you start to appreciate the genius of it as well, don't you? So, like, I'm sh some of you here, there are movies that you know that you do not need to watch the movie because you and your friends could literally just, like, quote the lines back and forth to each other the whole movie through, right? 
and you enjoy that. That's fun. And then, and then you're like, elbow person, oh, this and watch this bit. Or like you see that little Easter egg that no one else notices and you just take delight in it. And when you know every detail, it, 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 it allows you to appreciate something because you enjoy and delight in the thing. And in fact, look, uh, apparently when you actually know something about classical music, it's not boring anymore. Who knew? Like apparently if you really understand it, but I'm just, I, I mean, I, it's not true. I love classical music, but I, I know that there's so much that I don't know about classical music, which means that I don't enjoy it as much as I could if I knew more. Do you know what I mean? If someone just introduced me to these elements of what was this musician trying to do? And so here, there's both these two things together, the meditation on, the, the, the reading of, the, the, the knowing of the details, and the delighting in. That must go together. In Hebrew, this lyric is, uh, is what a bit of genius they call uh, a chiasm, and it's, it's this delighting and knowing that they put into a loop. So Hebrew songs use little reverse symmetries to show this stuff, but you can see it in English too. See how it goes from the action to the training of the heart? The, the training of this, the, it's, training is not a bad translation, by the way, for law, in terms of getting something from uh, Hebrew into English. And then the training, so, whenever I hear training, I always have to get a Star Wars reference in, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and then the training actually goes back towards the action in the second. The delight in the training, and then the training leads to this meditation. And, and, and it's, that's the, the circle that it sort of creates in the poem. Now, so which do we start with, meditating or delighting? Do you have to know stuff about God's Word first, or do you just have to choose to love it? Well, it's actually a bit of both. Because they, they feed each other, and you see the cycle just in the way the poem's arranged. You can choose to delight in God's Word, but if you don't read it, if you don't meditate on it, you'll end up being a fake. You say you love God, but you're not reading His Word. Well, just knowing a few things about God, or even, even maybe you went to Bible college, and you know lots about God, but you're not actually continuing to be meditating on it. Maybe you had a really good preacher one time for many, many years. And so you know all the things about God, and people come to you to answer their questions about God. But if you're not meditating on it, well, then you'll be a fake. And it won't actually change you. And if you can meditate on God's Word, and you read it all the time, and you know the things, and you're up with the knowledge, but you don't delight in it. You don't love hearing about Jesus. You don't love listening to Him. Well, for starters, you get bored, but, but it, it won't change your heart. It won't change the whole of you. These two things go together. Our choice to meditate on God's Word as a practice of doing, not, not, not knowing God's things, but continually meditating on them, and de- choosing to delight in it. They function together in this beautiful, positive feedback. Now, I know that John Legend sings, uh, you can't make your heart feel something that it won't. But, and there's a little bit true, there's something there in the, in the straight away, but in the long term, we actually do choose what we love. And we end up loving what we've chosen. You see, you see, if we choose pleasure and ease, or even exercise and discipline, people choose those things, don't they? And then they end up loving what they've chosen. They get into it. You see, why is the Bible boring? I think the Bible's only boring if we set our minds that it will be. Of course, most of you don't think that the Bible's boring. 
we find what we expect to find. And so our attitude that we choose to take to, to, to the Scriptures, to listening to God, to reading. Well, I, I, I want to invite you. We've got three weeks this, the, this sort of uh, uh, late Jan, early Feb. And I want to invite you to swim in some Psalms for the next few weeks. Like, why don't you just, just like, maybe you've got a Bible reading plan that, like, this would completely mess everything up. Don't let me destroy your Bible reading plan if this is going to... Uh, but why not plant yourself next to the river and drink up the water for a few weeks of the Psalms. You don't need to understand every line, just drink. Uh, the way to think of Psalms is, is not like a, a textbook, but and as an experience. What did the Psalm do to you? How did it change you? Any piece of communication is designed to have an effect on you. And so read a Psalm. Maybe, maybe if only one line of the Psalm felt meaningful to you, like it really hit you, like God just put it there for you, then maybe, maybe just read that and look at that, repeat it, mull it, maybe just drink it. That's always worth, you know, it's always worth checking to make sure that you understand something well. Like if there's a, a verse that really troubles you or a verse that's really encouraging for you, maybe, you know, check it with a friend, read it, read it with, tell someone else at church about it and discuss it. The Bible's always, always best read in community, not on your own or on your own end in community because then you can bring those things to each other. Um, and so the, you, might, you, know, you might say to the person, you know, hey, look, the rest of this psalm was boring, but, but this line just got to me. Share that in a text or something and you know, work together on these things. But armed with Psalm 1, armed with Psalm 1, the first, three, first half of Psalm 1 is basically saying you get to choose who you will be in 10 years' time. Uh, you are choosing who you will be in 10 years' time right now. Yes, your past will have an effect, but it doesn't have to determine your future because the Word of God, both in Scripture form as it testifies to the living Word of God, Jesus, but Jesus Himself can change your course. Now, Margaret Thatcher's dad, uh, I don't know if any of you know Margaret Thatcher, former, former um, I just thought about that, former, uh, none, of the, none of the kids at the youth camp that I originally preached this on definitely didn't know who Margaret Thatcher was, um, so I didn't use this. But uh, Margaret Thatcher's dad taught her this. He said to her, watch your thoughts for they'll become actions. Now, you better watch your actions, because they'll become habits. You should watch your habits. They will forge your character. Watch your character, for it will make your destiny. Now, this afternoon, God, in this Scripture, in, in Psalm 1, and don't hear it from me, read it again for yourself, and hear God invite you, is an invitation to plant yourself by the living stream of God's words. God's inviting you to a fruitful, beautiful, blessed season of drinking. Now, one thing to notice there is it's actually, it's quite nicely realistic. Um, just here in verse 3, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Their leaf doesn't wither, because they've got, the, they got the tree there, but it yields its fruit in season. See, maybe you're hearing this and thinking, oh, I just don't know if it's going to work out, or, or, or maybe you've tried this, and, but you, you didn't see the change of fruit in your life that you wanted, and so got discouraged. Can I encourage you? Out of, hopefully, this word encourages you out of your discouragement. It's, this, this tree is invulnerable to the drought because it's fueled by God, and yet the seasons still have their effect, and the fruit will come at the right season at the right time. Don't fret over the fruits. Don't let that stop you soaking your roots. You will stay alive. You will endure. And the fruit will come in season. So it, it, as the psalm moves on, it, it starts to 
push a little harder now. It's not a, it's just, Psalm 1's not an easy psalm, even though it sounds really nice to start. What will your future be is what verses 4 to 6 ask you. You see, the thing is, sin has a sticky end. God won't let evil go on forever. The wicked are not like this blessed one who remains. They're like chaff, the wind blows them away, and they won't stand in the judgment. See, there's no, there's no, you know how they talk about, you know, business ventures? There's no future in sin. It's not a good, not, not a going concern. Not a, not a growth industry. It's very much time limited. But not so your relationship with God. Oh, that's got legs. That's a growth industry. That's got a future. So the question that the psalm poses to us is, what is your future going to be? Where are your habits leading you? Thanks to, to, to everyone who chose music and chose kids' storybooks. Do you, did you feel in the songs the, the delight in God that, that Benjamin was trying to, trying to instill in your heart as, as we sang those songs together, in the songs? And the, and the, 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 the wisdom of the, seeing the, the habits of Daniel in the, in the kids' story. Thank you, guys. So does your, do your habits include the drinking the life-giving water of the Word of God, choosing to, to meditate on it, but then choosing to set your heart to delight in it because you know that that's actually what, what it will be like? Um, it's sort of, I think in some ways it can be a little bit like, like, like marriage. So I, I, I hope that it's clear that I really, really love my wife, Mel. And yet, a part of how that comes about is because I'm continually setting my heart to love her and, and choosing that stance and choosing that action and rejecting the cynical stance and rejecting the, 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 the find all of the holes and all of the problem stance. And when I don't do that, it's, it's not so good for her, for me. And yet, my love for her that I deeply feel, it's, it's, it's not a sort of contrived thing just because I chose it. It's a natural thing as that choice to set my delight on something works its way out in the interaction with this beautiful person that God has given. And it's the same with Scripture. The natural love, well, there's beautiful things there. And yet, we will fail to see the beautiful things unless we choose to set our delight in it. Now, the psalm isn't just about becoming invincible. It, It sets those patterns out because that's how we read every psalm, not just Psalm 1. Meditate. First point, meditate. We call to mind the things that we, that we uh, know of God. We call to mind, we sit and we mull over, uh, recall to our minds, remember, replay over in our heads the words of God that we've read from the psalm this morning. Write down what you think about it. Journal your experiences as you're reading the psalm. Like Those things change a being. Uh, I, I, if you would like to, and maybe I will. I'll put, it, I'll put some links in, in, the, um, uh, in the e-news this week uh, with, with links to the neuroscience of what it does to your, to your mind when you recall, remember, meditate on things, journal on things. It changes the pathways in our brain. And maybe, maybe uh, one way you can do that if you've never sort of meditated, uh, maybe one way you could meditate on God's Word is this particular question. And um, Ben and I were chatting through a couple of verses and this the other day. We were sort of just opened up, a, opened up a, a Bible, book of the Bible. He picked one that I was like, oh, no, you can't use that one. It's not going to work on that one. <laughs> and then realized it did anyway, didn't it? It was quite good. Um, and we just read word by word and said, how would things be different if this word was completely true? What would it mean if this was completely true? 
And because we were reading the Bible, it was true. And each word, as we stopped and gave each word enough time, we realized, oh, actually, actually that's precious. We're three words in, and we've, <laughs> we've spent 15 minutes talking about how this is going to change our lives. That might be one way. How would things be different if this was true? So first one, meditate. But secondly, set your love on it. Cultivate the love. Now, one, one, one way that you can meditate a little bit, like, a bit passively, so this is definitely shouldn't be the only thing you do, but I, I, used, I don't know about you, I used to hate Christian music. Like, oh, man. Oh, gee, I mean, I don't know if it was just the 90s, but far out. Like, it was just, it was just lame. But, but Jesus isn't lame. And the thing is, is that it, now there's actually buckets of decent Christian music out there and some of them, in fact, incredible. you just got to go through loads of rubbish to find it my opinion, you know, but like some of the stuff that I'm looking at, I'm like, Dross, you'll be like, no, that's gold, Pete. And it reminds me of Jesus. So we, uh, you know, I don't know if you, you're into K-pop or post-punk, prog, screamo, doom metal, whatever, you know, uh, get the words of Scripture bouncing around in your head. You know, I hope, hope that you'll have that sort of like, blessed is he, like just bouncing around your head all week. Earworm it. Mumbling, life-giving water to yourself all through the week, all through the day. That's water. That's worth investing in. Uh, I just was about to finish. I, I just wonder if we could... I, I mean, reading the Bible is a, is a phrase that we use all the time, and of course that's a very accurate description for what you do when you're <laughs> reading the Bible. But it doesn't sound as encouraging as talking about what it is that we're actually doing. What if instead we said, I mean, okay, Psalm 37.4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in me, and I'll give you me. It's a beautiful thing. Well, what if instead, instead of saying, read the Bible, we, we spoke to each other, I'm not saying we should actually do this, but just think about it this way. What if we said to each other, have you taken delight today? Have you spoken to your best friend today? Gee, you got such a good friend. Has Jesus told you he loves your guts yet today? Well, you haven't read much Bible then because it's still over those pages. Uh, like, what we do when we read the Bible is a really special thing. We're having God speak to us, words of life. Now, the, the, the difficulty with all this is that this is, this is asking you to do something, isn't it? Like, uh, there's this sense in which uh, if I just said, hey, you guys, read the Bible more. Problem. You guys, you know, not that you don't, <laughs> but, even if, but even, if you, even if I'm like, you know, it was with a bunch of people who didn't, I was like, oh, that'll solve your problems. It's not going to, is it? The great joy of the Word of God is that, like the, the story that Marika read for us, is that it leads us to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. The Old Testament points us forwards and says, do you realize how much you, this, you need this guy because you are, you are not invincible and in fact he is the conquering king. We get to Psalm 2, the very next Psalm. He's the conquering king who you, you better be very, very careful how you treat him because otherwise he's, he's going to destroy you in a, in a breath. And in fact, sometimes I look at myself and I'm sort of thinking, you know, I'm sort of in verse 4 and 5 a little bit. And so the book, so the Old Testament, including the Psalms, lead us to and drive us to Jesus the one who is both water for us and the one who has produced the good fruit. 
the one who is, says that, come to me and I'll give you living water. And in the words of the New Testament, testify to him and remind us who he is and invite us to speak to him. So I encourage you just to think about these few weeks, maybe plant yourself in the Psalms. If, you, if it's not going to screw up your Bible reading plan or maybe do it a little, maybe read a Psalm somewhere on top of it. Just drink up the water. Because the, God says, if this is our habit, no drought will touch us. Meditate on and delight in Him. Listen to His words and then we will bear fruit in season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, You both do everything that we need. You both want to be the, the provider who is the, 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 not only the great speaker of, of Your words, but also the, the great responder, the, the great human who obeyed those words and who, who uh, fulfilled all of Your plans and purposes and, and, and who is the, the one true and great Son. And so, Father, help us as we read Your Psalms not to all of a sudden put more guilt on our shoulders and things to do, but rather, Lord, see it as a stream of living water that flows towards Jesus. That flows towards the Lord who has been everything that we need. But who also, Lord, showed us the way so that there are footsteps for us to walk in after him. That he has earned all things for us. and That we only need to trust and depend on him. But Lord, thank you that trusting and depending on, on Him will lead us towards goodness, will lead us towards blessedness, will not lead us towards being judged and, 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 and shamed and, and humiliated, but towards everlasting life. And in the right season, Lord, fruit. So Father, please bless us, we ask, as we seek Your face and seek Your, your nourishment in Your words these few weeks, particularly in the Psalms. So, Lord, that we might uh, be invincible, not because of us and not because of our habits of life, but because of the true word of God, Jesus, who is all things for us. And we ask it in his name. Amen.